Hello there. I'm Tafad Zwaranganai and I am a third world 80s baby. In the show, we discuss movies and TV shows typically loved by people born in the 80s. Why we love these movies and why you should too. In our first episode ever, we discussed the 1997 action classic Air Force 1. Get off my plane. The film opens with some special ops looking guys parachuting into the presidential palace of Kazakhstan in the dead of the night. They yank the president out of his bed and head to the roof with him, killing anyone they encounter along the way, stuff him into a Black Hawk helicopter and disappear into the night. Now, 39 year old me is thinking, did these guys just go into a sovereign country and kidnap its president? Isn't that an act of war? But I was 13 when this movie came out and as the makers intended I thought that opening was cool as hell. <laughs> Besides, as we'll discover in the following scene in the world of this movie, the president of Kazakhstan was a bad guy. So, fuck it. Three weeks later in Russia, a lavish banquet is held in the part of the Kremlin that looks like the Hogwarts dining hall. No, seriously. The setup with the candles and the food. My god, the tables were packed with food. I don't know what could signal more that communism was over. Finished. Done. Finito. Anyway, I digress. The whole point of the banquet is for Russia and its ally, the USA, to celebrate the locking away of General Ivan Radek, the president of Kazakhstan. The Russian president gives a rousing speech, introduces the American president and invites him to the podium. Air Force One stars Harrison Ford as the most intense American president ever because he immediately ruins the festive mood of the night by highlighting how they acted too late in arresting Radek and basically warns anyone else who would do evil, America is coming to get you. Yikes. Next, we get a sequence of shots that introduces us to Air Force One in all its glory. And folks, I have to say, and most people of my generation and those slightly older will agree with me here, the Boeing 747 is a magnificent aircraft. The most magnificent in my books. Bold statement, I know. But why else would the United States government pick it as their presidential jet? It's just, it's just an awesome plane, really. Anyway, we're introduced to Gary Oldman and his crew of Russian journalists going through security checks. They pass and meet the deputy press secretary who gives them a brief tour of Air Force One the president boards the plane and is later joined by the first lady and his precocious daughter, who apparently had been at the ballet. We're shown a couple of scenes of the president, Air Force One staff, and the Secret Service going about their regular business before the plane takes off. Once Air Force One takes off, things get a little bit interesting. The president and some senior staff member types are having a meeting in the conference room, and Gibbs, 
the head of the Secret Service detail, does a few rounds before going to brief his team about some work stuff or other. But out of the blue, he shoots them all dead using a pistol with a silencer. Side note, this is the 90s, so silencers all had that choo, choo sound. Anyway, Gibbs releases a smoke grenade which signals Gary Oldman and his boys that it's on. What follows is utter chaos. The terrorists have all the automatic rifles that are usually locked up. They have bulletproof vests and the element of surprise on their hands. They shoot people left, right and center. They're screaming in Russian. The orchestra playing the soundtrack is going bananas at this point. Code Red is being declared all over the place. Yo, at this point of the movie, I was like, yeah, now we're talking. So the Secret Service managed to get the president below deck and get him inside his escape pod thingy, which ejects outside the plane's backside. Uh. <laughs> the pilots decide to land Air Force One at Rheimstein Air Force Base in Germany, and we get one of the most insane action scenes involving airplanes and runways ever. The terrorists bust through the cockpit door just as the pilots touch the wheels down and they completely refuse to take off so the terrorists shoot them dead. The terrorist pilot then takes over the still speeding 747, steers it like a car dodging buildings and trees complete with screeching tires and eventually manages to take it off. Whew! A staple of action and disaster movies involving the president of the US is the Situation Room, and this movie delivers that in bucket loads. The vice president, played by Glenn Close in this movie, the secretary of defense, the press secretary, and some military types are all packed in the Situation Room, with its frenetic activity in the background, people talking over each other, phones ringing, and people just generally looking nervous as sh**. On Air Force One, things have calmed down a bit since the plane is now at cruising altitude. Gary Oldman tells one of his goons to bring the president to him and the goon has to break it down to him that hey, look, the president actually escaped in that pod thingy. Gary loses his mind and threatens bodily harm on the first lady and Alice, the president's precocious little daughter. The Air Force guys from Ramstein base locate the escape pod thing, but they discover it's empty. It's at this point that it's revealed to us, the audience, that the president remained on board Air Force One after all. So now we've gotten to the heart of the movie, the parts that everyone really remembers, and to be quite fair, the parts that really matter. If someone asks you what Air Force One is about, basically you tell them a bunch of terrorists take over Air Force One and the president, like an action hero bad kills the bad guys one by one and takes back control of the plane. This movie was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. He's German. Uh, he'd previously directed the Clint Eastwood thriller In the Line of Fire. He also directed Never Ending Story, but uh, here we're talking about his action credentials. 
You'd even go on to direct Outbreak, starring Dustin Hoffman, uh, The Perfect Storm with George Clooney, and Troy with Brad Pitt and many others. It's clear to me that he knew the exact type of movie he was making. An action spectacle. It's pure escapist cinema, and it's of a particular flavor you could only get from 90s action movies. I don't quite know how else to put it. The score by Jerry Goldsmith, legend, is patriotic as hell. I'm not even American, and here I am describing a movie's score as patriotic. It literally opens the movie, playing behind the opening titles, and it immediately lets you know that the president in this movie is not to be trifled with. Donald Trump would later go on to use the score from Air Force One in his presidential campaign in 2016. Uh, yeah, that actually happened. I have to give a special mention to Jerry Goldsmith, the person here. I called him a legend earlier on, and that's because a lot of the movies he scored will appear in subsequent episodes of this podcast. The Omen. Alien, Poltergeist, Rambo 1, 2, and 3, King Solomon's Mines, which I mention mainly because, you know, it was filmed in Zimbabwe. So, yay! Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Executive Decision, U.S. Marshals, The Mummy, Along Came a Spider, The Sum of All Fears, I could go on and on, but then the episode would be just about Jerry Goldsmith compositions. Hmm. Maybe I should. Look, Air Force One is a dope-ass movie, okay? Memorable scenes for me include the one I mentioned earlier where Air Force One is skidding and swerving buildings and trees. <laughs> I also love how in fight scenes... Harrison Ford uses his whole body to throw a punch. In real life, you'd see that punch coming from a mile away, dodge that sucker and watch him fall on the ground. But I don't know. In this movie, it works. My man is cocking his arm all the way back and throwing haymakers around like his life depends on it. Well, I mean, it, it does, but you get the point. The folks in the Situation Room do what all characters in Situation Rooms do in these movies. They debate the best course of action, rely on one guy to give them updates. I'm not kidding. There's a guy who keeps running in periodically to say things like, It's Air Force One. They want to talk to the Vice President. And... The switchboard has a call from someone claiming to be the President. That's all he does. My favorite situation room moment is when the president has put a call through from Air Force One and then gets into a fist fight with one of the terrorists while he's still on the line. The whole situation room is tense as they hear the sounds of the fight via speakerphone. <laughs> of course, towards the end of the movie, there's that classic scene where they receive the news that the good guys have prevailed and they all cheer. Man... I've seen many variations of this scene from movies like Independence Day all the way to Apollo 13. And honestly, it never gets old. I almost always cheer along with the characters. Gary Oldman is an awesome villain. 
he just played a villain in the fifth element just two years before and the two roles are miles apart you want to talk about range gary oldman that's range right there that guy just becomes the character he's playing I like the fact that although 90s action movies tend to lean on the bombastic side of things and villains are almost cartoonish, Gary Oldman plays a believable villain in this movie. Sure, hijacking Air Force One is a little bit out there, but his motives and a lot of his actions all make total sense and are sort of grounded in reality. Of course, President Harrison Ford manages to rescue the hostages on the plane and take back control dispatching of Gary Oldman, but not before delivering one of the best one-liners ever. Get off my plane. You'd think the movie was over, but no. There's more action after the bad guy is killed. What? More? I know, folks, this is why I love this movie. The president has to land Air Force One, but he can't because some of the flight controls are damaged when the plane is shot by some enemy jets there's a dogfight, and eventually, a mid-air plane-to-plane rescue happens before the folks in the Situation Room can cheer. Part of the reason this movie is so dear to me is because of the memories I have attached to it. I was in boarding school when this movie came out in 1997, and so I had to wait for it to come out on VHS the following year, and even then, somebody had to get the movie find a way to make a copy, and only then could we watch it in the recreation room of our hostel. Nothing beats being a teenager watching an action movie with your friends. Half the time, someone would be asking what was just said because they couldn't understand American accents or some of the terminology used. Other times, you could barely hear any dialogue over the people cheering during action scenes. It was the closest thing we had to a cinema experience and a lot of the movies I'm going to cover on this podcast were watched in that way. I'm not sure where Air Force One is available to stream right now. Lucky for me, my VCR still works and my collection of VHS tapes is actually growing. But I'm sure Blu-rays and DVDs can be found online if one looks really hard. Phew. So you stuck around and listened to me for a whole however many minutes that was. If this is the kind of content you signed up for, then don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share with friends, family, and fellow lovers of nostalgic cinema and television. Next week, we reach dizzying heights in the Sylvester Stallone movie Cliffhanger. I'm Tafadzwa. This has been Third World 80s Baby. Take care of yourselves and stay away from Harrison Ford's aeroplane.